Welcome to Alter to the Muse, episode 10. I'm Josh. And I'm Angie. And this episode is called It's a Relationship. So we've been talking about how the relationship to your creativity is just like being in a relationship. Uh, And what are those similarities and what can you learn about both of those things, about being in a partnership with somebody and being in partnership with your creative side? Yeah, so we thought um, it might be useful to just kind of talk about us and our relationship to each other Um, because being in a relationship with yourself creatively is very similar to being in a relationship with another person. And we thought that there are some pretty strong parallels to being able to um, have a positive relationship with yourself. Yeah, so we have been in partnership with each other for a long time. Actually, we are coming up on 30 years of a partnership with each other. Yes. And you'd think, well, we're not that old. I mean, we're, I'm turning 45 this year and Josh is turning 47. 47. So wait, how old were we? When yeah. we- <laughs> 16 is how old I was when we started. Uh, yeah. And it was like a month and a day before your 15th 15th birthday Birthday. so so we tell people that we started dating when i was 16 and you were 14 and that sounds a lot worse than it really is (laughs) Um, now that we have daughters of our own i was like when they turned 14 i was like oh man (laughs) (laughs) yeah so we have been in partnership with each other for a long time uh we'll be coming up on i think it's 23 years married yeah um but 30 years together. And so certainly the people we are now is not the people we were uh, 30 years ago. Uh, But the relationship is what um, we want to focus on and and maybe just some ideas about relationship and partnership. And so luckily for us, we're both – deeply creative people and we've understood that about each other even from the beginning yeah actually i wanted to say that that's actually one of the things that was a that was one of our first like like things we had to overcome was figuring out as a couple how to um give each other space to be creative like when you're when you're in young and first kind of dating somebody you you know there's this there's that that need to like be together all the time be on the phone together all the time or just text or talk or whatever and there's like this constant thing that you need to kind of do because it's like oh it's exciting and new and da, da, da. the problem of course is that that starts to um interfere with the schedule that you had with yourself and maybe with the world before this person came in Right. And um, and so one of that was one of the early things that Angie and I figured out was how to to call each other, how to talk to each other. So we weren't interrupting our creative stuff. You know, if I was practicing guitar, you know, she knew knew when I was doing that and so wouldn't call me. Right. Right. 
Yeah, and it, I would say, you know, I was pretty young. I was 14, so I hadn't really stepped into embracing an identity as an artist. But I do think that partly seeing you embrace your relationship with being a musician helped me to look and say, well, what do I have that's like that? And then I recognized that I'd always been very artistic, that I'd always had some kind of sketchbook and I was always drawing or doing some kind of craft project. And then I realized, you know what? I love art. I really do. I've always been excited about art class. I love painting. And so maybe that's my thing. Maybe that's the thing that I want to embrace more fully. And and I did. It was the right thing, I have to say. It was absolutely. But I think it was really seeing you embrace being a musician that then in turn helped me to say, oh, I'm I'm an artist. That's who I am. Yeah. Um, that That's pretty cool, actually. Um, we, and, and so we, you know, we went through high school, you know, and all the trials and tribulations of high school together. And then, um, and there's there's so many opportunities to choose not to be a couple like that that's a, a um you know people ask you like well how did how did you last so long or how are how are you able to like still be in the same room with each other you know how can, we're making a podcast together right. how, how how are you able to do these things with your you know with your spouse um with your partner um you know, and, and honestly, it always comes down to the choice, to the choice of choosing. I, I chose Angie. I choose Angie today. I chose her this morning, you know, <laughs> like every day we wake up and that's, that is, that's the thing. And, um, you know, throughout high school, there's always, was always opportunities to be like, um, well, this maybe isn't working out. Let's go, you know, break up and find another person to have a short-term relationship with and that that never jived with me um and thankfully it didn't seem to jive with Angie either and um and so you know we entered another chapter which was college right and then we were really stepping into our identity as creatives and and musician and artist and developing studies in practice I know for me that that time was a deep time of of embracing an art practice. Yeah, I I think that like that's when I like you you lived in the art room in high school like your junior year and senior year was like that's where you would be found and I I was in college your senior year so I didn't really see you as a senior really in existing in high school like that we we saw each other very infrequently but somehow managed to stay a couple even though i was you know hundreds of miles away um you know at, at ithaca and um but but i saw that, that that stepping in really um really happened that senior year and then into into college where you you know you had to have your own studio and all of a sudden you were surrounded by all this oil paint and all this, like all these brushes and all this stuff. And you had these huge canvases and big easels and, and it, it you know, it was different than, than the Angie that was in the little room in your house, you know, that had your, your sketchbooks right. and, and that. Yeah. And so as that relationship to my crea creative side started to deepen and grow. I think our relationship with each other deepened because we understood 
the needs of the creative relationship, and it was easily translated into the needs of the partnership. Yeah, like, um, like we would, we would be like, um, we would know, you know, if I was going to drive down to like Elmira or something, right? And I was going to drive down on the weekends. Like we knew what time that was going to be, and we knew, like, okay, we're going to work in our studio you know, for X amount of hours, and then we can go and do stuff that isn't our art or our music or whatever. And, and we would coexist like that. And when we would get to a place where we both felt like we were done with our, with whatever creative output we had to do for the day, um, then we could ease more easily go about doing our other jobs, our other life, our other, we could go to a used bookstore, or we could go walk around town or whatever it was we did. Yeah, yeah, I think, so yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of interesting because it's really talking now and looking back on, I see how that creative relationship really informed our relationship together. But I think there's still a lot of um, important lessons that can be learned from from the needs of any relationship, even if you're in partnership with somebody who is not identifying as a creative type, um, the, the needs of somebody embracing their own creativity and the needs of a partnership relationship overlap. Like there's a lot to be learned between those. So, so we're hoping that you can ponder that and maybe nourish a relationship with somebody else and reflect on how you can grow your own creative relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, when that practice moved us into our our adult lives, you know, once school ended and we were in our different places, we were able to um, have our our separate, you know, studio spaces. We've talked about that a little bit in previous podcasts. And so, um, the, you know, but but then you're an adult and you have like adult things you've got to do. You pay the rent and fold the laundry. Mm-hmm. And, and then if you have children, that's a whole other level. <laughs> But but those needs don't change, not, right? Not at all. And so, you know, if you're going to cultivate a partnership with somebody, a relationship with somebody, um, you need to make time for the relationship, right? You need to, to say, well, this is the time where we're going to spend together. This is the time that we're going to go out. So you and I, we've always sort of fit that into... Um, you know, we have dates. I would say that we don't have a lot of dates. <laughs> we we don't do, lately. We don't do dates quite the same way that that maybe other people think of dates. Right. No, I, our idea of date is let's go grocery shopping together, and it's always been that. Even when we were in college, we would be like, let's go pick up a few things for dinner tonight, and we would yeah. just go. And that was, I don't know, it satisfied our need uh, for a date. You know. Yeah. We. Yeah. I mean, we didn't need to go to a candlelight restaurant you know we didn't get all dressed up we didn't need to go see a movie or anything like that we would we'd be like oh we've got we've got ten dollars let's let's go to Wegmans or Tops and, and see what we can right, buy right but you know it's still making time for each other and so yeah. you know maybe that's just sitting together in the evening and watching a show together you know whatever it is there's there's time that's considered sort of the relationship time um, and so you you know you need to have that to have a, a partnership work, you need to do that to nourish your creative relationship. You need to be like very consistent with the time that you give to that creative pursuit. 
Yeah, if um, you know, if 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 you're wanting to to become better at you know some kind of creative thing, you need to spend time doing it. And if you don't carve out the time to do it, then it'll always be something that you wish you did. Um, and so that time is 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 the most is is critical. It's critical. And and we do. We we talk about having, you know, that it's difficult sometimes to feel like you have time. It's like, oh, but I've got to do X, Y, and Z. And but we also know that you know we can sit down and, and watch an entire season of a show you know, in, in a block of time on Netflix. And it's like, so you, there's time and then there's prioritizing the mm -hmm. time and saying that, that I am going to make this specific task a priority. It's like what we're doing with this podcast right now. You know, we sat down and said today at this time, we're going to sit in front of the microphones and we're going to talk. Right. And it's kind of like an appointment. And you have to think of like your date times or you going out on a date. Those are like appointments and the time that you get into your creative space to make things or to ponder, that's your appointment with your creative self. And you really need to, to devote yourself to that. Yeah. I mean, there'll be, there, there are times when, you know, Angie has her, her yoga teacher training and her year kind of planned out oftentimes, um, Whoops. I mean, a year in advance, I can know the weekends that Angie's going to be teaching. And there are, there are months where, I, and this is why I like a visual calendar, not the calendar on the phone, is I can see where Angie's teacher trainings are. And then if I'm getting called for like wedding gigs or something like that, if I'm, if, if there's like a magic weekend where she's not teaching and I'm not gigging, that I'll write on the calendar that this is a booked family weekend. And that nothing can get scheduled there. Like, I'll do that for myself so I don't accidentally, you know, someone calls me up and says, hey, can you play X, Y, and Z? Um, you know, I, I don't go, oh, yeah, I can do that. That weekend's open. It's like, yeah, but then we don't have any time for each other. Right. We don't have time to be as a family with our girls going somewhere, doing something. Um, and that, just so scheduling that time, making that time a priority, um, is is crucial it's crucial yeah and if we didn't do that you know with our work we can really fill up our our free time our weekends mm -hmm. our evening time so that's really a priority and and you can do the same thing with your studio time you can say this is when i'm going to get into the studio and i'm going to do this thing yeah and you know i'll i'll often say you know i've got to do you know let's say i've got to do recycling on Saturday, you know, I might, I might decide I'm going to do recycling first and then I've got it all done and then I can spend the rest of the time in my studio. But I might also say, I'm going to spend two hours in my studio and then I'm going to go recycle. Right. Um, yeah. That's prioritizing. That's the, yeah. that's the prioritizing. Yeah. And, and that's your choice, right? You, prior, you prioritize your choice. And I do, I think it's important that, you know, in a relationship, you prioritize the relationship. That's your first choice. Like we said, you wake up and you choose that every day. And it's the same with your creative practice. You're prioritizing the choice to do that thing. And I think the, the priority is when it's first on the list, then you know it gets done, right? It's, mm -hmm. So I, I do think that's important is saying, oh, I'm doing this first. Then I can do the other things. <laughs> right. The laundry, 
needs to get folded, but it doesn't necessarily have to get folded first. Right. I don't know. My preference is to fold it at the end of the day. <laughs> right, right. And I might do it at any point, depending on what kind of moment I've got. But the other thing you need, along with time, is you need to have space. And this, is, this can be physical space, but it's also personal space. Like, if you've got people hanging off of you all the time, it's really sometimes when you have little ones, you know, creating for any length of time is really challenging because your space keeps getting interrupted. Yeah, I would say that was my biggest issue uh, when the children were little was that there was no space, <laughs> literally no space for me personally. I mean, but still, I tried really hard to make some space because it was so important to my identity. It just didn't have nearly as much space as it did, you know, prior to children or even as it does right now. So it's, yeah, it's it's space, which is also translates to time, but it's physical space too. It's like having a room, having a table, something. Um, that's devoted. You know, what we have, this this podcast is called Altar to the Muse. We actually set up a relationship altar in our bedroom mm -hmm. that we envision as the uh, sort of the devotion space to our relationship. So we put things on there that uh, remind us of each other, that remind us of um, the relationship. We light candles to it. We light incense on it. But it's really devoted to us as a couple. Right. And that, um, that that's actually a really beautiful thing that we chose to do together when we um, were like, you know, we should have, we have all these different spaces in our home and we we're like, we should have an altar to this relationship and we should nourish it and do that every day. And um and it does bring a certain focal point in your mind that every day you're, we're choosing this relationship. And, um, and having just a little corner in your home where that exists um, can, be, can be really powerful, testament to you and your creativity, you and your partner, you and your family, whatever, however you want to create a little altar for yourself, that, that can, um, can be a, a, a place where you can go and have a, a practice and it doesn't have to be an extensive practice, you know, a couple minutes. Right. I mean, I consider the, the relationship altar, it's like I said, it's just a corner in our bedroom where we have candles and statuary and, and little objects. And every day, Josh is actually pretty good at this. I think he gets to it first. He lights the candles. He lights the incense on that altar. Uh, I consider my creative altar is my studio. It's like the entirety of my studio. So there's those you know, there's the space for the relationship is that altar space. And it could be as simple as just like a candle, whatever the space it takes to, to hold a candle, right? And then I have the space of the room that I'm making in. So these, you know, two different kinds of examples of the space. Yeah. And I also have a separate space from where Angie creates. Now, that wasn't always the case for us. Sometimes we'd share a room. Um, but fortunately, in the last um, bunch of years, we've been able to have two very separate spaces so that I can make as much noise as I want and it doesn't interfere with Angie's creation or Angie's yoga teaching because that was that was a thing that um, in, in previous homes when you were teaching class, I really couldn't be recording, you know, or writing songs or that kind of thing because the sound would interfere with 
her class. And so the um, so having those separate spaces is, is incredibly valuable, um, but you don't really need a lot of it. You just need to be able to have it be set aside to say, this is my space. Right. And I, you know, I often tell my students that the hardest part about practicing or taking out your instrument and playing is literally getting it out of the case, the opening the case. And so I have a practice in my studio where basically everything's set up so that I'm not spending a lot of time setting up to create. It's already set up and all I got to do is turn everything on. And um, and then I can I can do what I need to do. Right, it's like having your pieces you're working on already on the table. The the paintbrush is already out, you know, ready to go. I keep a little um, ceramic um, cup of water on my desk at all times. That's ready to go with a brush. So it's just one less thing to do in that space. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, you know to have a I think a really positive relationship, you need to listen to each other. Um, you, you know, you, and you, and compromise, um, you know, so that if, if we're working and, um, we say like, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna do this at this time, but the other person is really immersed in what they're doing. You want to give them the opportunity to really come to a place of completion. Um, you don't want to, you don't want to rip them out of that too soon. Um, because then there's this agitation that can get built up and, and frustration because you you didn't get to um, you didn't get to come to the end you know and that's um, that can sound maybe a, a little more innuendoy than I wanted it to sound but um, but that's that's the the reality is that you have to really give there has to be give and take yeah it's just listen like you said no listening is it. And in the listening, you are hearing what the needs are, right? It's like listening to the needs. And then in a relationship, there's a trust and a listening, right? So you trust that uh, you're hearing the needs accurately, appropriately, and that you can respond to that. So if you need to be in your studio longer and you need to not be bothered, that's that's okay because I understand that, that process in the same um, goes in the reverse, right? So, yeah, so we listen to each other. And in terms of your creative relationship, it's listening to the needs of the creativity. You know, that's when you have an idea and it needs to come out and you and you have to listen to that. You have to follow it through. You have to give it the time and space. But if, if you don't even want to hear it, you know, you don't even want to make space to, to listen, uh, then that's going to create the same kind of strain on your relationship to your creativity as it would in a partnership relationship. Yeah, and and constantly not listening, constantly saying I'm not going to do or I no I can't do that today. I've got ex- too many things to do, um, or or I I just don't have the time right now. Um, you know when you constantly do that, when you constantly put that off to the side, when you constantly don't prioritize it then that builds up this resentment that can happen within within yourself to the creative process. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. you know, I can't do this because, and you, there's a whole... Yeah, resentment's a good, it's a good um, topic also to ponder is, is the idea of 
which I think ties into the idea of forgiveness, right? Like the mm-hmm. idea that I resent that I never get the time to do this thing that I want to do, or I resent that I had these ideas and I didn't follow through with them, and now I feel like I didn't live out to my potential. Or the resentment of, you know, my partner didn't listen to me, you know? All of these things um, can emerge as resentfulness. But the other thing to remember is there's no perfect way to do any of this. Like, there's no perfect way to have a relationship to your creativity. There's no perfect way to have a relationship with another person, right? And so when you recognize that that perfection is a myth, then you can have more space for forgiveness, right? You can say, hey, it's okay, you know, that this didn't happen or that this did happen, right? Right. And sometimes there'll be, there'll be, you know, sort of roles that we fill in this natural sort of thing that happens with a, with, with your, yourself and your partner. There might be, maybe they do a specific task during the day. Like maybe they're the ones that always vacuum, for example, but you're done creating for the day. And I see that Angie's not. Well, if I'm really with it, I'll pick up the vacuum and I'll just start working because I know that that's a thing that Angie will then have will then want to do after being done. But that's a frustration kind of thing. And then that's done. And then maybe there's another task. Oh, I'll cook dinner. Right. And then she comes out of her studio and everything is ready. There's food. The house is clean. <laughs> you know, they, these are all things, right? And and maybe we we might have even had plans. And I said, oh, we're going to go out and we're going to go and whatever. But it just didn't manifest. It's like, it's okay if you get so immersed in whatever it is you're creating that some other thing doesn't get done. Right. And maybe if you're lucky, somebody might be willing to pick up that slack. Your partner right. might be willing to say, I'm going to do these things so that you can get that stuff done. Right, right. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's a little, it goes away from the idea of forgiveness a little bit. I feel like that's a little more of like commitment and... Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got to forgive yourself to say to say that like, okay, I, I put all my time here and I didn't do all of this. I was supposed to do all of this, but you know what? I'm going to forgive myself for not doing those things. I'm not going to feel guilty because somebody else did that for me today. Right. You know, I'm going to be like, no, that's okay. This is fine because two days from now, I might be returning the favor. Right. You know, right. and so that's, that's, you're right. I'm not really doing a good job at being forgiving <laughs> here. <laughs> no, I just, just got off topic there yeah. a little bit. But no, it's on topic though, too, because what we're talking about is that idea of, uh, an imaginary perfection, either in the relationship yeah. or in the in the creative practice. So, um, and th- that this doesn't exist, right. you know. And there's there's ebb and flow, and there is um, there's ebb and flow, and there's like this um, this this kind of give and take that happens between people, and um, the more you can return to that. And I'm going to come to the word choice. The more you can return to that choice of choosing the person you're with, the creative project that you're engaged in, the more you can choose that and then commit to it, the, the, I think the happier you're going to be. Right. I mean, that's what we have. You know, we have choice every day. That's what we have. Yep. Um, and so you have to decide what are you going to choose? You know, you're going to choose 
this relationship. You're going to choose this creative path. And I think really the gems are in the long-term commitment. Oh, I agree. I agree. I, uh, you know, it's the, um, it's the, it's a different kind of, um, of satisfaction. Um, you know, there's, there's a reward for, you know, doing something once there's a very different kind of reward for doing something 10,000 times. Exactly. Yeah. And it's this, it's similar to, you know, how deep you can get into a project in the first 10 or 15 minutes versus the first hour and a half or two hours, right? There's a different depth and level in the, in your creativity. And I think that can translate into a relationship too. Yeah. You know, it, one date versus 30 years. Right. You know, there's there's a different understanding of the person. There's a different depth and understanding of yourself. There's a different level of comfort. Yeah, entirely different yeah. level of comfort. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, yeah, that the there's a there's a, a depth in the long term. Yeah, and so you know, for every day that you make the choice to commit to your creative endeavors, and that you make the choice to commit to your partner. Um, you know the 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 you know as long as it's a healthy relationship you know as long as it's not you know kind of an abusive thing you don't want to commit right. to an abusive relationship over and over and over but you know i don't want to get off topic again but the it, it isn't always rosy right but i i think that but i think you're on topic because if we're doing these other things if we're if we're uh giving sufficient time and space and we're listening and we're committed and we're and we're forgiving, like then we those are like the foundations of a healthy relationship. Yeah, and it's and and it's two sided, you know that you you're you you know I listen, you know to to Angie, but Angie's listening to me. Like it's not one it's not a one sided. Yeah, it's not a one way listening. <laughs> yeah, it's not a one way listening. It's not a um it it, it isn't a it's not a one sided relationship. It's a partnership. Right. And um, and that partnership includes our creative endeavors. Yeah. And many ways, like we said earlier, it was in many ways it kind of gave us a framework mm -hmm. for how we were going to interact with each other. You know, as we got older. Yeah. 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 yeah so I think our our dedication to our creative pursuits has helped our dedication to our personal relationship. Yeah. 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 I would agree with that a hundred percent. <laughs> yeah. So ponder the idea of relationship. What is your relationship to your creative side? You know, if you're not in a partnership, um, it doesn't mean this conversation isn't for you because you're always in relationship with yourself. And so these same things apply. Yeah. And you and, and take the time to give yourself space to listen, to make a commitment to yourself, to give yourself forgiveness and to um, give yourself choice, you know, that you constantly choose yourself. Yeah. 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 I think that's a good place to close that. And that, then that's what we're going to do. Everyone, thank you for listening to us here on Alter to the News. You have been listening to Alter to the Muse podcast, a production of Jai Studios, LLC. Visit us at altertothemuse.com for more.